Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. And Bruin Source is back after uh, UCLA gets a uh, a tough but solid win uh, over over the uh, Washington State Cougars at the Rose Bowl at a very hot Rose Bowl, I will say. Yeah, um, how hot was it in there? Oh God, uh, it felt pretty brutal. Um, it was easily in the 90s before kickoff, and then, you know, the Rose Bowl, you sit in there, and it's just straight up in the sun. We were on the quote-unquote shady side, but there wasn't much shade at a at a noon kickoff, so... See a big... Oh, God, I don't... Oh, yeah, and we were we were pretty close to the field, so I gotta imagine the, the on-field temperature was at, close to or at least 100 degrees. Like, it was, it was pretty brutal, so... Um, I for the few fans that were there, I think we all we all sweated out, <laughs> both literally and and figuratively a little bit in that game. But hey, I it was a it was a good game. Everyone well that was out it. there um, definitely toughed it out because uh, I mean I know we get all you hear all the oh we should have more fans out there and whatnot. Everyone go to the Rose Bowl for one of these games and just feel the heat, and uh, maybe you'll understand. Maybe, but. Still not a great, great uh, excuse, oh, in I my know. opinion. I know, People. I know. But hey, hey, we, we got the win um, largely because, is it safe to now say we have a legitimately good defense? Are we, uh, are we okay a, saying that? Look, we're halfway through the season at this point. Um, it is safe to say that uh, up until this point, we hadn't played an offense that had proven its its worth over multiple games. Washington State had proven and then some, um, you know, in terms of just their overall explosiveness. Before this past week, they were a top ten offense in the country, um, top top five in some statistical categories, and this week they've dropped all the way to eighteenth. So that just speaks, I think, to you know what 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 it is that we were able to go and do to them. Um, their outputs, you know, they they got fifty in week one against Colorado State. They threw up thirty one against Wisconsin, and and that was with a good good number of yards as well. They threw up you know sixty four against Northern Colorado, and then Oregon State, who does have a very good defense, we've seen them play. They were able to pull up six thirty eight on them, so they've been scoring points against good opposition. And we shut the, we shut them down, man. I mean, that was as impressive of a defensive performance as, as I can remember. Uh, Cam Ward before this was like putting up Heisman kind of stats. This game, he we, we made Cam Ward look like Kevin Prince out there. And, and, and I think that, that, that I think says it all. So this defense is for real. Danton Lynn is for real. We got to open up our checkbook and pony up this offseason because we got Danton Lynn on, on a real cheap deal right now. We stole him from the Ravens for basically nothing. Um, and any coach worth his salt is going to be looking at this and just seeing what UCLA's defense was before and what they are now with Danton Lynn. And, you know, the hounds are coming. So we got to open up that checkbook this offseason. I, he was an unknown quantity right before the season started, and he is definitely proving his mettle as a DC right now. And 
I am very glad he's on UCLA sideline because more often than not, if we can play defense like we just played, we will have a shot to win almost any game. Uh, And we've seen it. We've seen it, right? Utah on the road. We had a shot to win that game. And so in this game, same. I mean, we won this game because of the defense. And we talked about it last week. It all started with the D-line. Laya Tulatu, I know he's, you know, he started off really hot. You know, we haven't talked about him a lot, you know, since the first game or two. But the man was extraordinary this game. I mean, he, no one could block him. Even bigger guys, you know, you have 40, 50, 60 pounds on him. Like, he was unblockable. And he didn't always get home for the sack, but he was constantly just making cam. Oh, yeah. Cam Ward felt his presence, I think, play after play after play, uh, just disrupting the entire Washington State offensive flow. I mean, the other guy who I thought played really well, Gabe Murphy was back there, or one of the Murphy twins, always kind of hard to see which one, but the Murphys looked like they were they were playing well. I mean, they made Cam Ward's life hell. And if it was any other quarterback... Uh, minus uh, maybe the the guy across town. Instead of three sacks in this game, you'd probably see six, seven, eight sacks. I mean, they were in his face, ready to take him down. And Campbell, to his credit, pulled off some some uh, magic, escaping some of those sacks. But they made his life miserable this this game. Yeah, and uh, I mean. The, the, the plan of a lot of the game was to pressure not by blitzing. It was with three and four um, and try to get a good pass rush. And UCLA has the has the horses to do it. And they, they got home and then some, right? I mean, like you said, Cam Ward felt it the whole day. Uh, and I don't think it was, you know, lot, lot too obviously the household name. And he, he was amazing out there. Gabe Murphy was a, was a beast uh, out, out there. Um, he, he had his own, you know, tackles for a loss. I think two, two couple tackles for a loss, a sack out there. Um, you know, Carl Jones got, got a lot of tackles out there too. The whole defensive line, the rush was getting there to the point where Cam Moore basically had to dance around the whole day and try to find something, anything to get going, and they just never did. Um, you know, Washington State never looked comfortable. They had the one drive that they put together, you know, because one of them was on a short short field, right, that, that UCLA gave them. But after that, there was only one drive the entire game they were able to put together. Um, so UCLA's plan to pressure with three and four probably is going to work against most teams that we play. Um, and that, that is always going to be a positive because if we do have a, de- a weakness on this defense, as we said earlier in the year, and, and it didn't show up in this game, so, like, it's hard to even call this a weakness anymore. But it would be, again, the, the corners and the secondary. But if we can always drop seven, drop eight, and give help over there, we're going to be in good shape. And, and and I can't think of, you know, who we're going to play on our schedule that are going to be able to block these guys. Um, you know, Latu is always going to demand attention, and that just, again, drives up the the all, all, all the opportunities that are there for the likes of Gabe Murphy and Jay Toya and Gary Smith and, and all, all, the, all the different guys we're able to rotate through right now. So... It's exciting. It's really exciting. I mean, speaking of the the DBs and the secondary, I I was 
thoroughly surprised with our DBs. And to your point, we we played a lot of three, four, you know, man fronts, allowing us to play play some uh, guys back. Uh, our DBs look good, especially when we play in some zone coverage. Like they they are fully capable of doing that. And one guy I want to shout out who's been playing out of his mind this year is Alex Johnson. I mean, he has what three picks now? I think on the season. He's been he's been really great, and what a what a good story, you know. Another walk on to scholarship player, um, you know, playing that nickel spot largely, but he has been playing incredibly well. Uh, I, I thought you know Devin Kirkwood actually had a decent game. Um, it's probably the first decent game we've seen out of him in a long time, and he he had an almost pick that he dropped, um, and then you know Jalen Davies, John Humphrey, all those guys were looked really solid. Um, and then we've we've talked about you know the the safeties have been been largely very good this year and you know we saw uh, Jordan Anderson kind of get into some of the run defense action here and he was playing playing pretty well so I I I think yes out of all of our defensive units and we can talk about the linebackers in a second the secondary probably still is our weakest just from a talent perspective but. Again, give Danton Lynn some credit. He is scheming and play calling uh, at an incredibly high level, high enough to you know mask some of these um, these issues that this team team might have on that side of the ball. So, all in all, good stuff. I mean, we mentioned the the linebackers. I mean, Kane Madrano again is still playing out of his mind, playing incredibly well. Muasau. There was a there was a great sack he had in that second half of the the game that I I remember, but he was kind of you know he's playing a lot more disciplined this year, um, you know keeping his his position not you know out of position and overcommitting. Uh, Oladejo again he's been really good in run defense especially and and John John Vons is making plays like we have guys in, in that linebacking core that is that are all really making high level plays and playing really, really good defensive football. So you love to see it. I mean, what, what Danton Lynn is doing is maximizing every ounce of the talent that we have on on that defense. And it has been a sight to see. Yeah. I mean, again, I just, I love seeing the, the, the rate I've, I've just said this so many times, right? I love seeing the Raven scheme in college. I love especially when you see those all those standing rushers all over the ball pre-snap, and you're getting the you're getting so much pass rush throughout the game that for a quarterback that's out there post-snap, a lot of those guys aren't actually coming right. It's all just a look, and it really doesn't matter at that point because you're feeling the rush the whole game as a, as a quarterback. It's just giving you so much to think about. And for the defense, it's really easy, right? I mean, you, you, you show, you're you showing a whole bunch, and then everyone just knows where they're supposed to be in the back end. That takes coaching. That takes execution. I love the stats right now, um, if you just read out all the stats, right? Uh, we've allowed seven points. Seven, no, the defense has allowed seven points for three straight games now, right? Um, but unlike... Offensive points. Offensive points, right? And unlike NC Central and Utah, um, this was like a legit offense coming into the game. And then if we want to go at the, you know, the national stats, um, you know, these are my favorite ones right now. Uh, In total yards right now allowed, 
we are the number three overall defense in the country. In yards per game, we are the fifth overall defense uh, in the country. In yards per play, we are the number one overall defense in the country. Rush yards, number three. Pass defense, number 12. This is like serious stuff right now. Um, if you look at like our peers around us uh, in in all these rankings, you'll see the likes of Penn State. You'll see you'll see Michigan. You'll see Ohio State. Um, you know you'll see in some cases, who, you know Georgia will show up in there. Like those are the people that we're talking about when we talk about where our defense defensive production has been. Um, and it's like really insane that I'm even saying any of this right now. Like I, I really I really can't believe it. We were hoping to get to like top 50 level um, and, and legit right now, I think we have just, we're playing like one of the better defenses in all of college football right now. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it blows my mind to think about. Well, it's insane, especially thinking about how bad this defense was with largely the same personnel. I mean, again, I, I can't. That's the thing. It's I, the same people. It's the same. It's largely the same roster. We've lost a couple of guys here and there, but we're not looking at a huge uh, roster overhaul now. Obviously, look, guys, guys improve year over year. That that makes sense. That's that's expected. But this is not just a case of the returning guys just getting that much better. This is clearly, clearly coaching, which we've been saying for a very long time because I think we've had talent on defense and. We've we've always said this, like we we just have not been able to put those guys in positions to to succeed. And Danton Lynn is figuring out how to maximize what these guys are good at, how we can play defense effectively. And he's doing it and he's doing it like what have we been saying? We've been saying we all we want is like a top 50 defense for years, years. And to go from a bottom feeder, you know, sub hundred defense to a top, currently top ten, top five type of defense in a one season, one off season, is absolutely insane to me. Like I, not in my wildest dreams would I have expected this to happen. All right, so we got to talk about the other side of the ball too, um, and yes, it, it, it was it wasn't always pretty. Um, it definitely wasn't always, you know, fun to watch. But I'll start with the positives here, uh, especially in the second half. We put some drives together. You know, I thought we made some adjustments with with you know the 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 sweep options that we added to the run with Keegan Jones and such. Dante Moore, I thought after again another really rough start, put it together late later in the game. Um, Sometimes you got to play complimentary football, and and look, I I know we, we whenever we said you know we wanted a top fifty defense, it was because we always expected a top ten offense. That's not the case right now. This is a work in progress. Um, it looks pretty ugly at times. Um, at times, you know, we we, we, make, we make plays, but it, it it it's not always pretty. And I'll say this, um, I'm I'm okay with that. Just just right now, um, just from this standpoint there is potential for a Chip Kelly offense to get better game on game. Um, I thought we got better this game from the previous one. We, we, we could see that we were doing some different things um, this game to make life a little easier for Dante Moore, get him on the run, get him some easy outlet passes. It didn't always come off well, but 
there was some intent there. Um, we're figuring out what we're good at in the run game. Carson Steele, I thought, really emerged in, in this game. He made some tough runs. This side of the ball is going to have to get better and better and really make an emphasis on not turning the ball over. Um, not turning the ball over and not dropping passes anymore. Uh, we, we, we can't be the team that makes those kind of mistakes, especially on coming up this week on the road. But right now, uh, the way that we are built, we're going to have to play complementary. And, and that's what we did this game. I, I will give Chip Kelly some credit in this game. Uh, he called the offense a lot different than he did against Utah. I think there were a lot of adjustments he made here that helped us succeed a little bit more on offense. I think namely, in that first half especially, um, and he continued sprinkling this throughout the, the second half as well, as just rolling Dante Moore out left or right, just having him throw on the run, moving the pocket. And we've seen Dante Moore hit those throws time and time again, actually very accurately. He he seems to succeed at the those types of plays, um, mostly because he actually has some time to throw. He's not getting hit. He's not getting harassed in those situations. And so it was good to actually see uh, Chip Kelly call those types of plays. I was happy to see that, happy to see Moore succeed on on in those types of plays. Um, I thought the offensive line in this game did better. If even if it was, you know, slightly better, it was still a lot better than what we or not a lot better, but it was an improvement over what we saw against Utah. Like anytime we did any sort of standard drop play with more, it was still a little bit of struggle. You know, I mean, there, they were, the Cougars were still getting some pressure on more. They sacked him probably more than they should have. Um, but I think we saw some of those guys step up a little bit more. And the hope is they just, every game, like he said, keep getting better on, on the O-line, keep communicating a little bit better and, you know, start gelling a little bit more as a unit. But I think we're, we're seeing some level of improvement there enough to where you can say, okay, we can, we can, we can do a lot better, and I think the team realizes that, and they are actually taking some steps to, to do better on, on the whole line. I think Dante Moore made some mistakes in this game, too, that we we've, haven't have seen him necessarily. I gave him a little bit of a pass against Utah, but in this game, he, he made some some bad errors, uh, missed some wide-open receivers on some plays that I can remember. And both of his picks really... I I think we're we're really on him this game and those are mistakes that are true true freshman mistakes. I'll I will give him that and I think he needs to learn from those hopefully and get better at that but you know that first pick he's getting sacked he tried to make something out of nothing there but that's a situation you just got to take the take the sack go down don't even try to float that up while you're you're getting hit like that. That second, that pick six was completely on him. I mean, that the defender just read his eyes. He was locked in on that receiver, and it was just bad, bad play from him. Um, but, you know, he seems like a tough kid. He sticks in there, and he also made some great throws throughout this game. Um, and that's what stood out to me, uh, you know, because he's clearly a freshman. Um, you know, he, he's... In straight drop back situations, 
he's probably still at the point in his development where if you take away his first read, he's going to struggle. And we saw that, right? So the, the, the pick six was just him. They took it away, and he still locked into it, and there was a pick six. Um, the first one also kind of similar deal there. So he's making some mistakes. Some of the rollouts to his left, that's, I think, where the inaccuracies were with some of the missed balls. But lo more or less, the bad plays didn't take away from his good ones, and he was able to throw some really nice really nice balls, really nice deep, deep shots um, connected when we really needed them. Um, and frankly, if not for just blatant pathetic refereeing um he oh, would have had God. i think he should have had at least two more touchdowns absolutely should have had one i don't know how they turned over the the call with, with j michael sturdivant um in the end zone which was called on the field a touchdown uh by the way the whole this whole game was just kind of a comedy of errors to watch on the pac-12 network uh i know we've had pretty lengthy discussions about just how pathetic that channel is but just like that this one was really something else to watch with the referees like reviewing every other play um like blatantly like announcing things wrong uh and then this the the, the reviews were just i i just i really couldn't believe what i was seeing there uh on, i thought on both of them they were both touchdowns but the second one i, I really couldn't understand it but Back to Dante Moore, um, you know, the bad plays didn't take away from his good ones. The challenge now, I think, for UCLA overall with him is, and for Chip, because you can see he learned from the, the last game to this one. What is it that he likes to do and give him some more of that? And I think he'll continue to learn that about Dante Moore, and Dante Moore will get better too. So game to game, um, we need to see improvement, but we absolutely need to value the ball above all else. Um, in this year's league, I don't think we can get away with turning the ball over as much as we have been in the past two weeks, uh, particularly on the road. Uh, so that, I think, has to be the, the point of emphasis. We definitely cannot turn the ball over on the road, especially against Oregon State coming up. But before we even get to that game, I do want to shout out a couple other guys here, uh, namely the, the tight end group in this game. Um Six catches for 160 yards uh, across Matavau, Habermel, Carson Ryan. I mean, they those guys really stepped up and provided the the outlets for uh, Dante Moore in this game. And you know they all had very good games. You know Logan Loya had six catches for 46 yards and that nice touchdown in the corner. Uh, Sturdivant had you know fifty five yards on the day. He should have had a touchdown, probably a few more yards as well. I mean, we we saw a little bit of a rebound from this group, um, especially the tight ends. But you know, from that last game where we could not hold on to the ball, um, and there were a couple of drops, but largely I think the this the receiving core and the tight ends really improved and and were a little bit more short sure-handed in this one so that was good to see at least that we weren't in the same kind of boat of dropping passes and whatnot and the other guy I wanted to mention you mentioned Carson Steele but man that kid ran hard I mean that this is what we needed in this game right is a guy who could grind out those two three four yard runs time and time again 
he I, I will credit him for absolutely wearing that Washington State defense down. And, and let's not kid ourselves. We're not talking about a fierce Washington State defense here. But still, I mean, when yards were hard to come by, he was a dependable two to three positive yards and really, I think, wore Wazoo down with every single carry, especially in that second half. I was just looking at his stats. He did not have anything longer than 13-yard carry in that game. He averaged 4.7 yards on 30 carries for 140 yards. That is a workmanlike, just workhorse-type performance. Um, and we've seen that from him, right? He's not the, the fastest guy in the world, but he is a guy who is strong and will will wear someone down, and that is exactly what he did. I mean, he was just a hammer in this game. Um, yeah. I think he he deserves a ton of credit for gutting it out. It, it it takes a lot of guts to just go two to three to two and just play after play after play, just hitting your head into a brick wall there. So I I think it's great that we found a tough back like that in Carson Steele. I think I will say that probably the most um, – the biggest area of concern, I think, overall for UCLA's offense, in my opinion, it's it's not Dante Moore just yet in the in the passing game. Because I think you can explain that one, right? He's a freshman. Um, he he made some freshman mistakes. The the run game, Carson Steele's efforts notwithstanding, I'm not sure if the if the the two to four yard runs play after play after play is gonna. I don't know if that plays against you know the better defenses we're going to see uh washington state was not a good is not a good run defense we said that before the game um and on the stats look good right it, it was, that's seem like they should be good we had 180 80 yards rushing but on 53 attempts so you know 53 attempts to get 180 yards with a long again of a 22 yard run that was the touchdown run for for keegan jones um what you hope is that you know some of those wrinkles as they came in late in the game, um, maybe that th- there are some keys there to open this attack up because it just it just looks way too hard right now to run the ball and if we're not able to run the ball and we need to put everything on Dante Moore's shoulders, I still think we're going to struggle particularly on the road um, and, and so that that's probably you know is that. Did we find something at the end of the game there that's going to play into, you know, another two or three things? we got to find out. But that's, I think, the one, the biggest spot of bother, I think, on offense. I am curious to see how we use Keegan Jones now going forward. Obviously, Keegan Jones has been at UCLA for a few years. We know he is not a pure running back who we can just hand the ball off to. But he does possess speed. And shiftiness, something that, you know, Carson Steele doesn't have. TJ Harden's a little faster, but he's not that pure speed kind of guy. I would say Keegan Jones is. And I, I, what I'm curious to see is, are we going to actually utilize him like we've done with other speedy guys in the past? You know, what we did with Kashmir Allen and his kind of like hybrid receiver running back role. What we did with Demetric Felton so successfully, right? I mean... You go all the way back to what Chip Kelly's been doing with these kinds of guys with like DeAnthony Thomas and, you know, various speedy guys. 
I, I am curious to see how Keegan Jones, you know, carves out more of a role for those types of plays because he clearly, I mean, this game, he, he had a little bit of a breakout. He only touched the ball three times, really four times, um, for 50 something yards and two touchdowns. Like he was electric in this game when he had his opportunities and when we schemed him out into some space. Um, and he's, he's, hopefully going to step up and be a uh, a weapon for Dante Moore to to take some of the pressure off of him. So I, I am curious to see how we we utilize him more in the in games coming up. Yeah, the last thing we'll close out as we uh wrap up this game um special teams. Man, Ugh. that was a that was a disaster. They uh, took a shit on the field. Like that was bad. So to list it all out, we missed a 47-yard kick. All right, that's a long kick. Which I can't, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's a long kick. Had a 34-yard one yarder blocked. That's bad. Uh, missed a point after. You know, we think about all the points that we left on the field out there. It's a touchdown. And then also... It's a touchdown. And, and then you also consider the pick six that we gave. That was basically a 14-point swing. Um that that it just comes brings it all back. Jeez, our defense really had to play lights out to leave that many points on the field. Um, give some to the other team and still come out with a win. Um, you know that 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 just I think is a nice bow to tie this whole thing off. I I've been saying this since the Utah game. Every defensive drive when they come out there after a three and out. I'm like, how long, how many drives can these guys hold on for? How many? But more often than not, they they hold a team. And that's just been that much more impressive with, you know, short breaks with our offense uh, sputtering so often. They come out there and they just grind the other team down. And it is, it's been, it's been glorious. But yeah, to your point. It's not sustainable to have them out there for long drive after long drive after long drive and expect them to hold the other team to, um, to no score or even a, a field goal. Like it's the the offense needs to put some points up on the board. Again, this was a game they just did enough, but we gotta we gotta get better um, and get better quick. And uh, the it does the road doesn't get any easier this week. We go up to Corvallis on the road against what is number uh, what are they now eighteen fifteen number fifteen, 15. Oregon State. Yeah, uh, we're eighteen now. So yeah, it's this is a, a tough conference this year. I mean, what are you what are you making of the Beavers? I know you've watched them a little bit. Um, this yeah, season. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jonathan Smith. Um, they're a tough team. They run the ball. Uh, you know, they play really good defense. In in many ways, it's kind of a we're going to be playing sort of a carbon copy of ourselves uh, a little bit, um, just in terms of philosophy. Uh, you know, they're they're a team that that wants to again kind of grind you down a little bit. Um, and the way that we're built for this year, at least, um, it's kind of the same deal, right? So I watched a lot of their game against Utah. That was, that was a slobber knocker. That was just, you know, back and forth. This, 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 say, uh, this, say that again? <laughs> a slobber knocker. 
That's what I've never I, heard, I, this, I heard this that term. podcast somewhere. Now, this past weekend was just a really weird game, um, you know, because they I, I definitely didn't see, you know, 40 points coming up against them again from Cal. But what that tells you is that it's not impossible, right? Um, and what I do like about any game that we're going to go into this year is, and this is just generally speaking, a team that has a defense that travels and it's going to give you a chance in every game that you play. Um, you can always play good defense every single game. You might have a timing issue on offense. You might have, you know, a pick or something that you throw here and there, but you can play good defense every game and that's going to give us a chance here. Now, is it going to be enough? I do think we're going to need to score more than, you know, what whatever it is that we've been scoring uh, lately. Uh, it's seven offensive points against like we did against Utah. That's definitely not going to get it done. Um, Oregon State runs the ball really well. I feel good about our chances about, you know, controlling the run game. I feel good about, you know, Danton Lynn going up against DJU. Because uh, I think DJU has he's he's had some good moments. Uh, this past weekend was definitely good moments. You know, he threw five touchdowns, um, but he's also had moments where you know it was like it's like you know Clemson DJU, uh, where turnovers are definitely on the table. A lot of incompletions are on the table. Yeah, Just, look, I I think there's there's two keys to this game. I think you mentioned both of them. I think. DJ Ungalele, you stop him or limit him, pressure him, you can limit this offense. We also need to, like you said, stop the run. And Damian Martinez has been a very good back for them this year. I mean, he's averaging six and a half yards uh, per carry here, and he's their leading rusher. Uh, the kid is good. He's been he's been a very good good running back for them this year. Um and if our, our D-line can contain him, I think we have a good shot of controlling this game. Uh, the other thing is they have good receivers, right? And again, this goes back to if we pressure uh, DJU and keep him from getting the ball to these guys in space, like we, we can we can help shut their defense down. But Silas Bolden and Anthony Gould, both very good explosive receivers who've, who've had big games this year. I mean... This offense is is good. Like I, Oregon State has been very very good. I I think they're they obviously they've not been Washington State good. They Washington State has probably been the best offense we 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 will face for this first half of the season. But Oregon State is a much better offense, I would say, right now than Utah. Um, Definitely better. On the road is it's going to be a tough tough task to keep them to scoring only seven offensive points, right? We did it once against a worse offense, but again, in probably a tougher road environment in Utah. Can we do the same in uh, Corvallis without our offense supporting the defense? I don't think so. I, I think you have a similar performance. We lose the game. Uh, so this offense really, really needs to step up to help the defense out here. I, there's, there's just no way we come out of Corvallis unscathed if we, we don't put up points here. Yeah, it's also going to. I be just think their game. offense is too good. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I like our chances to slow them down. I don't like our chances to hold them to seven points. 
Um, and especially, again, this is a night game. They're going to be juiced up. Um, the environment, I mean, Corvallis, historically, you know, did the past five, five, six years, hasn't been known to be, like, the craziest place to go to. But for those of us who have watched the Pac-12 for a long time, like, this is a place that, you know, many, many, uh, many upsets have happened uh, in, that, in, that, in that stadium before. So they're going to be juiced up. It's going to be UCLA, the people that have that killed their Pac-12 dreams, right? Um, and all the hate's going to be coming out for it. So for Dante Moore and for Chip, you know, again, right here, avoiding mistakes, avoiding turnovers, they need to challenge themselves on this to zero turnovers. That's the goal in this game. Zero interceptions, zero turnovers. They do that, I like our chances to, to, to compete and take this game deep and maybe try to win and steal it at the end. I don't know if we can survive yet again losing the turnover battle. Um, we've lost it for two straight weeks. I don't know if we can survive it again. Did we lose it this week? Actually, this was a tie. You're right. This week. I think what they... The, we... Because we, we, we got Cam Ward twice. We got to Amor twice, and there were two uh, fumbles. Oh, so, so we were, yeah, you're right. We were plus. I think two we then. actually won it this week. But again, but that it's a lot easier. To it. to we, we won it this week and won by eight. So we're going right. to go over there. We lose a turnover turnover battle. We're done. So, and and that's and, and you know they know the same thing. Jonathan Smith, you know that their DJU hasn't played all that well. Um, in some games, but he hasn't necessarily been a turnover machine this year. Um, you know, thrown four interceptions on the year uh, through six games now. So, whatever you want to say about them, they haven't turned the ball over all that much. And so, you know, you, you know, that's how they're thinking. You know, home team try to try to win the turnover margin against UCLA and that freshman quarterback. So whatever we're doing this week, whatever Chip's doing, that's that I think is the key. Absolutely, I was just I was just looking at their stats right now. They're averaging thirty eight and a half points per game right now. So this has been a, a pretty productive offense. To your point, like DJU is not infallible. I think you can speed him up and and really rush him. Uh, if you hit him a few times and you're in your fit in his face. Um, I think you can definitely impact his play. I mean, I, I we did it with a, I think, a better quarterback right now in Cameron Ward. We rushed him. We pressured him. He made a lot of mistakes. He was clearly uh, rattled the whole game with how much pressure was coming in at him. I think DJU is susceptible to that kind of pressure as well if we do what we did against Cam Ward. Um the question is, is Oregon State going to be uh, rattling our own quarterback, right? And if is Dante Moore just going to be getting hit the whole game? Is he going to be, you know, under pressure, running for his life? We, we have to be able to protect him, give him some time to get, get, get the ball down the field a little bit. You know, again, keep rolling him out, keep moving the pocket. Like, we need to keep doing that. We also need to... To your earlier point, we need to get the run game going. And whether that's you know Carson Steele, whether that's TJ Harding uh, stepping up a little bit more in this game, whether that's you know getting Keegan Jones in space, 
if we can get the run game going and take some of the pressure off of Dante Moore um, to move the chains and, and sustain some drives, I think we, we can definitely win this game. Because I at this point, I'm not going to worry about our defense. I think our defense will play its part. It's just, it's my opinion, purely going to come down to whether our, our offense can score enough points. Because uh, I, I don't think Oregon State is going to score 38 and a half on us. At this at this rate. So let's zoom out now, kind of in the macro, because we talked about this last week, um, and it's kind of silly to even do this, right? But we said Washington State was the biggest game of the Chip Kelly era because we talked about our record against winning teams. We got another chance this week. We win this game, and it's game on to you know try to stay in the conference championship race the rest of the way until we get to USC. Um, we lose it just the way the conference is shaping up. We might be buried, you know, midway through the through the year. Um, you know, two conference losses already um, would be pretty tough to come back from. What do you We're not going like? to come back from two. We're not going to come back from two. You know, but but at this uh, point, it's it's almost like our, our, our mind has been recalibrated, right? Because, like, Utah was just such a slap in the face because we'd never seen a game like that before. We, we just were not used to playing a game like that. But then we saw the Washington State game, and we were able to come out on the other end of it. So now, like, I don't know about you. I'm just feeling a little confused about the whole thing. Like, because I, I, if we go to this game against Oregon State and turn – and just and lose a 21 to 14 battle i'm not going to be shocked because i've that's just how i've been conditioned now to watch this team so this is what i'll say i so i know we we said washington state was the most important game of the year that was last week uh i think this is the most important game of the year now (laughs) um that's fair it's college football right the margin of error is always very slim but but I think for UCLA to have a successful season here, this is another must-game win. I think I am slowly becoming conditioned to ugly football from us. I said this earlier. I think having this defense right now will give us a chance to win almost every game on our schedule. That includes, against Southern Cal as well. That being said, having the chance to win it doesn't mean we will win it. I think that will, that would probably will uh, result in some very frustrating losses, a loss or two down the road. Could be this weekend. If we pull this one off, it might be a weekend after. I don't know. But I there's a very good chance that we have a, a frustrating loss where we, again, just saying a little to Utah, we're in position to win. Um, throughout the game, and we just can't get get the um, get the the ball literally over the line. In this case, it's it's a weird feeling because it's kind of flipped. This is not what you expect from a Chip Kelly team. What we were expecting was points and being able to score, just not being able to stop the other team. Now it's the complete opposite. It's like, can we score? We know we'll be able to stop most teams, but we don't know if we're actually going to be able to score. Um, and that's, it's a weird place to be after the last, you know, almost decade of having 
pretty bad defenses uh, at UCLA. It's kind of a weird, weird thing. But you know what they say, defense wins championships. So if if the defense is going to keep putting us in in situations where we can win games and make it ugly, albeit winnable, I'm fine with that. I think Chip Kelly and his quote-unquote offensive genius needs to figure out enough to put up some points to win games. Like we, I'm looking at our points for right now. It's <laughs> uh, versus our points against. We have scored 32 points, and we've had 31 points scored against us. So Jeez. we are a one-point positive on the positive side right now. Um which is kind of insane. Washington State is at a is fifty five points for and fifty or sixty against, so they're close. But it's it's a one point differential right now. I I don't think that's sustainable. As as good as our defense will be, I don't think that's sustainable. So again, it I feel like I'm a broken record. I feel like you're a broken record too. But the offense needs to get their shit together here a little bit. But and and yet this is what I'll say, because I think again why the Utah loss was just such a slap in the face is there was still a part of a lot of us that probably felt okay well you know the defense played well, but Utah was without without a lot of players and Washington State's probably gonna come and not light us up, but just give us a little bit of a reality check there to to tell us that. Defense has gotten better, but not that much better, and you know we'll see where we're really at. But what but what happened was very different. Um, at this point, you'd have to say that this is shaping up to be one of the better defenses again in all of college football right now. And so because of that, it just changes the mental model, right? We expect to see that now week after week after week because it should be re- repeatable. In theory, this is all – that's why I, I have always preferred the defensive teams in any sport. Um, it's why I, I like Mick for our basketball team. It's just, There's a little bit a, more control. It, 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 it changes – Predictability. The, it's more predictable. It changes the variables that are out of your control, right? And then more than anything else, which I think UCLA fans should understand, it just raises the floor. Because if this defense was bad right now, the floor of this team would just be really ugly. Um, But because it's not, we're essentially going to be in, and there's probably some of these games now where you just check them off as wins because it's like, oh, well, we know our defense will keep us in it no matter what. So... That setup is good. What we do expect to see now, if Chip, again, is such an offensive genius, is that this should improve week to week on offense. Judge the personnel, see what we're good at, see what our strengths are, and by the time we get you know, to two weeks from now, have we shown enough improvement to now we're, we're much more consistent and we're, we're much more, you know, a little bit more potent uh, in what we're doing. I think what would be bad is if we reach the end of this year we haven't improved a whole lot on offense, and it's clear again that you know the the recruiting deficiencies that we have on offense have, have, have kind of stalled out. Because the one thing in the back of my mind right now is on defense, we're going to lose pretty much every one of these guys next year. Um, it's going to have to be kind of a rebuild there. So the macro, we need to see improvement week after week to where we need to become 
a very good offense, I think, by the end of the year. Well, you 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 hinted at a little bit, right? It's <laughs> we we have never been able to put both sides of the ball together. You know, last several years the offense has been great, but our defense is abysmal. You know, I could foresee next season being a little bit flipped again, where our offense starts actually gelling. We have some experience. Dante Moore has a year under his belt. Offensive line, you know, gets some reinforcements and and is better. And we click a little bit more, but because of the the defense kind of turning over, you know, Danton Lynn's defense takes a step back. I will say, I at this point of the season, I think I believe in Danton Lynn still putting together a top fifty defense next season, no matter who's on the the roster, based on what I've seen. I, I think he he's proven enough to where I I can I can not feel crazy saying that. So. You know, maybe maybe this is a sign of the good things to come in the future, but a little bit, a little bit of is, it's a little frustrating to look at how good our defense is, and I, I shouldn't do this. I'm trying not to do this, but look back at last season and be like, God, that oh, offense boy. last season was incredible. That if if we had Lynn on the sideline next next to uh, um, Chip. What would that team look like right now? I, again, I have a degree in history. We were trained not to deal with what ifs about past events, but I uh, I stay up at night sometimes thinking about that, and it's it's it is uh, it's troubling. But yeah, I I think you're 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 right. What what is this going to look like in the future? I don't know, but and we, yeah, I we mean definitely. We're all entitled to our frustrations here, right? Because, like, look, we're enjoying this win and whatnot, but it's like, what are we missing here? Like, is this really as hard as it seems? Like, you have a proper defensive coach now. You know you're going to, for the most part, produce good offenses. Like, was this really that – did it really need to take us six years to get here? Like, you could – was the – was enough bad defense – you know what? I should have taken your history major, and I should have been trained in the what the art of not what ifs. Because, because like you said, it's just driving me insane right now. I, I, I really don't get it. It's right. It's been this dumb seesaw, right, back and forth of hey, we're decent at this, now we suck at that, and really, it's and we're seeing that now. But you know, there's just this element of had to pull his head out of his ass. Two three years ago, while we had that experienced offense that uh, you know produced so many points and was so successful and had, you know, I'm not saying Danton Lynn was a hireable person two or three years ago, but you know there were other uh, similar types of candidates with similar profiles. I'm sure that were out there that could have put together an effective defense, um, and and the fact that Chip specifically was able to go pick Lynn's talent out from somewhere. He was probably capable of doing that and finding someone else of that caliber. It shows you again, he knows what he's doing, team. right? Like, that that's the thing. It shows you he knows what he's doing. Um, and in pretty much everything that we've seen, like, Chip doesn't like to recruit here. We know he's recruited before. Like, he, they did pretty well at Oregon. Um, you know, the way that he's picked out his coaches... Um, you know, particularly for Danton Lynn, going and plucking 
a relative unknown out of there to come be the defensive coordinator. Clear he knows what he's doing. Um, you know, it's just, man, like, why can't we put this thing together? But, hey, duh, we're, we're on to this week. And we win this game. Again, he's, he has all the opportunity in front of him. We win, go win this game against Oregon State. I think you'll see just everyone rally around this because the schedule does open up from there. I hope so, because what are we looking at? So Stanford on the 21st and the on the road, which, you know, we have our horrible history with Stanford in the past, but they're pretty bad. <laughs> um, and then Colorado at home, which, you know, Colorado has struggled in the last uh, few weeks. And I think our strengths, especially our D-line, uh go match up very well against their weakness, which is their own line. Um, so there's, there's that. I mean, though, uh, yeah, we got, this is a big roadblock here, obviously going on the road to Corvallis, but if, yeah, to your point, we get through this there and there's, there's a little bit of a, a relief coming in the weeks after for a little bit until we get to the, the tail end of the schedule. But yeah, this is, this is a, again, <laughs> This is the most important game of the season this week. Um, but yeah, what's what um, what are you? What else have you seen in this conference? I mean, it's been sort of chaotic to some degree. We've we've we're seeing the entire Pac-12 circle of sucks starting to form, as is tradition. Um, we I know we've talked a lot about Wazoo and Oregon State, but you know we have some top ten teams here in the conference that we'll be competing with if we get through this week for the for the conference title. Yeah, this week, obviously, like the, you got the big one. Um, you know, Oregon and Washington are going to play. Um, this past week, you know, we, we talked about Oregon State, right, and the weird game they played against Cal. Very strange game. Um, but the other two games, both very good. Uh, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about both of them. Um, I guess just in the interest of what we're here to do I think you have to talk a little bit about that 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 Arizona Southern Cal game don't you um (laughs) when I when I said open up the checkbook for Danton Lind like I was specifically talking about that school there because because if you're Lincoln Riley and you're looking at the train wreck that's out there right now um on 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 defense um you would have to think any half sane coach would look at that and say, all right, well, you got to go because it's clearly not a player's problem at this point because they, they, they've revamped that entire defense. They, they brought in a bunch of personnel, and it's still, not, it's still the same exact defense. They can't tackle. They're out of position. They're, they're getting out coached. You would have to think he would look across town and be like, "Hey, Danton Lynn came in and turned around this unit that was just pathetic into what they are now." Man, pay that guy because because the vultures are coming. But you know that that. Uh, that indeed- I don't think Lincoln Riley is thinking that far ahead. I I think he's <laughs> one. He has his too far his head uh, too far up Alex Grinch's ass at this point. Like I. I don't understand his loyalty to that dude. That dude has just put bad defense after bad defense out there, and yet he is still employed by him. So I I don't understand I don't, how he's gotten the opportunities he's gotten because 
So Alex Grinch was first hired by Urban Meyer at Ohio State. And Ohio State does not let coaches go very easily if they think you're worth worth your salt. And that, that first year um, at Ohio State, the defense was not good. It was like the only year that the defense wasn't good under Urban Meyer. And he left. Immediately, they became number one of the country once again. And Alex Grinch has had just bad defenses at, at, o, at OU with pretty good players, right? It's, it's Oklahoma. You come here, you see the same pile of crap like week after week. I just really hope that whatever it is keeps him employed there. But but they, they keep this up. Like I, I think this might just – even Lincoln Riley can't retain him after here's, this. Here's the other thing. There's, there's all sorts of noise, all sorts of smoke around Lincoln Riley snooping around for an NFL job after the end of the season, um, which I could see. Which I can see happening. I mean, if he has a successful season this this year, which you know he's he has so far, I wouldn't be shocked if he left. Especially after uh, you know what well, this is Caleb Williams' last year, right? So he's he's gonna go pro. I know his dad's saying he's gonna meet yeah, him unless stay maybe they want to play team. for the Bears or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, if you're gonna do that, you know. You deserve all the bad luck at that point because that's just playing with fire. It's just dumb. But let's be honest. He's going to be gone. Uh, Lincoln Riley, You some might argue, you know, I think he is a good offensive coach, but he might be just riding some of that offensive talent from his QB right now. Um, let alone, you know, the every all-star receiver that they have known to man is on that team so you know i wouldn't this be shocked what i found he... interesting about the receivers i thought it when they played colorado at the end of the game because the second half colorado were, was able to come back on them and how do they do it they pressed up played press coverage man man to man pretty much across the board for a lot of the second half and you usually don't see that done against lincoln riley teams because they'll <laughs> those guys usually find a way to get open and they weren't able to and then Arizona this past weekend did the same exact thing uh, and if not for like just Caleb Williams heroics not even throwing but just like evading rushers and running uh, a whole bunch Essie is lost in that game um, so gotta see if that, that keeps up because I watched pretty much every snap of that game once again and the way that Arizona was able to press up and cover those receivers was just unbelievable. I, I didn't think it was possible. They're, they're a soft team when it comes down to it. I, I think we saw that against Colorado. Like, Colorado, you know, had a, a talent deficiency compared to them, obviously. I think they have good players. But overall, from a team perspective, probably they were a lot less talented, I would say. But... I think what Deion Sanders has done with that team is he's having them play very tough at least. He has them believing and he's having them play, you know, beyond their their skill or talent level. And and that toughness showed there in that game, especially in that second half. I, I don't think, you know, Lincoln Riley you can say a lot about good things about him, but I think one thing you would you probably won't ever say about USC, and you haven't said it about them in I 
decades at this point, but like they're they've never been a tough team in the the that sense. Like they they've always been a little soft, right? You and and a lot of people talk about oh they're like a little too Hollywood or whatever. Um, and I, I think that that is a little bit true of their team. Um, they have they um, when there's some adversity they they struggle. Now they're very lucky they have a guy like Caleb Williams right now who's bailing them out time and time again. But they are trying their absolute hardest to lose a game or two here. And I, I, I think they will when they play someone better than Arizona. Or well, even they're Colorado. Do that this week. Um, they're going to they're gonna they're going up to South Bend. They're gonna play Notre Dame on the road. Um, now Notre Dame was also taking some losses and I don't know if they match up all that well with USC. Um, just given they, they have a quarterback who has his own issues. Um, now, hey, uh, you know it's it's Christmas for that quarterback because he gets to play against Alex Grinch's defense, right? Um, and they get to go up against Alex Grinch, so maybe whatever we've seen from from them kind of goes out the window there. But just overall, I don't know if, if Notre Dame matches up all that well. Um, but after this, like their schedule is getting tough in a hurry. Um, they play Utah the week after. Utah needs Cam Rising back for that game, I think, because. Even Alex Grinch's defense, um, you know, I don't know if Utah can get the number of points necessary. But the last three games is really where the bread is. Washington at home, at Oregon, and then they play obviously us in the rivalry game. So there's a lot of lot of tough tough love to come here for, for SC down the stretch. Yeah, we'll see I mean, I, I even think this, this Notre Dame game is not going to be an easy task for them to go into to, Oh, it's definitely not going to be easy. End. Oh, yeah. Um, that's another rivalry game. I've always said this, rivalry games get weird. Uh, I think Sam Hartman is is a good quarterback. He has his faults, but he's still a good qu- enough quarterback to beat them, especially that defense. Um, and uh, you know, playing in South Bend against that crowd is not going to be easy for them. Yeah, it's they, they're really trying their hardest. I mean, you see it in the rankings, right? They've fallen every week after winning a game. Yeah, I mean... Which you don't see very often. It's funny because, you know, I, because I'm, I'm married into, you know, in, into watching Oklahoma pretty much every weekend. Um, I've seen a lot of Lincoln Riley, and his initial OU teams were not of this type. Um, they were very physical... They were run first teams that they and they all they all they every every they all had their Heisman Trophy quarterbacks right. You had Baker, you had Kyler Murray, um, but they were built around a physical run game that then everything else revolved around. This team is not that. Um, Caleb Williams is hiding a lot of flaws right now for this team, and I don't know if this is you know the case of a coach just getting really enamored with a shiny toy. I don't know exactly what it is. But their play on the offensive line is pretty mediocre right now. Um, they have the ability to run the ball, but they don't run the ball enough. And just I was stunned at how well Arizona was able to cover those receivers. I, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought they'd be able to do that as well as they, they have. So this is the Caleb Williams show right now. He is hiding a whole lot for that team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you plug in a even a 
good quarterback in there, <laughs> this team is not going to be winning like they are. But so, um, yeah, I'll be a big, big, big fighting Irish fan this weekend. Um, Got to go the other game dig up my this week. stuff. The other game this weekend was Colorado going into Arizona State and surviving. Um which I kind of thought was going to happen um, because Arizona State has, in conference play at least, has kept things pretty competitive. Uh, you know, they lost to, by 14 to SC, but that game was kind of back and forth the whole way, and then the end, SC kind of pulled away. Lost by three up at Cal. So they've been getting better in conference play. Um, and, you know, Colorado, we all know where their flaws sit. Um, so I thought that would be a, a competitive game there. And uh, in the end, they get it done. But, you know, Colorado, their offensive line struggles continue. I think if we want to talk once again about, you know, SC's defense and, like, the issues there, Colorado could not run the ball to save their lives in this game. Um, you know, 30 rushes for 56 yards. Um that continues That's to be a good problem, it, right? I mean, it, it, it's the Shador Sanders show over there, um, and, and everything pretty much rides on him um, until Travis Hunter at least gets back. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I think if you look at it right now, like Washington feels like the, the cream of the, the conference. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with from, that. From across the board, right? I mean, you can say, you know, Southern Cal's offense is, might be better, whatever. But we, we talk, we've talked a lot about um, Caleb Williams. Uh, we obviously talked a lot about Cam Ward. But, I mean, Michael Penix Jr. is another Heisman caliber quarterback for the Huskies right now. And he's been absolutely on fire. I mean, the the guy is... The guy was very good last year, um, and he's he's really stepped it up um, this season. So they they seem like they're they're going to be the team to beat, I think, for the conference. But you know, Oregon's right there too. I would say they're they've been playing good good football, um, but U Dub it feels you know across the board they're just. So you like They're UW to win good. this weekend? I think so. I think so. But again, it's a it's a rivalry game, so weird shit happens. Where is that game? Is that in Autzen? It's or in is Seattle. That a, it's in Seattle. I I do like UW to win that game, um, especially if it's in Seattle. But yeah, we'll see. It'll be a great game. I'm I am excited to watch that game. One thing for Kalen DeBoer to watch out is, you know, Dan Lanning likes to pull stupid rabbits out of the hat uh, in hats in these games, you know, fake punts. Yeah, fake, we've seen it. We've seen it, right? He pulled it out against Colorado. Haven't seen him do it on the road yet, but, uh, you know, possessions, both, both offenses should be able to get up and down the field in this one. So possessions, they're going to be at a premium. Yeah, um, it almost feels like whoever wins this game might, you know, you could predict to win win the conference, but uh, we'll we'll see. It'll be a fun game for sure. But yeah, I think I think I top to bottom from what I've seen, UW is the the 
the kind of top dog, if you will, of this conference, and everyone's kind of a, a tier or two below that. Right now, but hey, weird stuff has happened. It's it's the Pac-12. They'll fuck it up yeah. somehow, and Oregon State will win the whole conference, well, which would be really that, funny. For them to do that, they'd have to get past us. But hey. Uh, we get past Oregon State this weekend. Uh, you know, this this baby's on. Like it, it's it's really on. Like we're in. For it's a new season. It feels like a new season. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we will find out soon enough. Five p.m. PST on Saturday, and uh, yeah, we uh, this game's on Fox, I believe. It's on Fox. It's the night game on Fox. Which, but thank God it's not on Pac-12. Um, makes sense. It's a ranked matchup. I would imagine people want to watch it, uh, unlike most Pac-12 games uh, that are on that network. Um, well, I think uh, I think that covers everything that we had today. Um, as always, follow us on X slash Twitter. Uh, you can find the show on... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc., wherever, wherever podcasts uh, are found. And uh, until next time, uh, as always, go Bruins. Go Bruins.